Hello and welcome to Luann's Land Podcast. Now, here's your host, award-winning country music artist, Luann Hunt. If we're honest, we all can admit there's plenty of stuff we need to clear out of our lives in order to be happier, healthier, and feel more whole. Author and spiritual counselor Corby Mitleid likens this task to getting rid of all the, quote, junk we stash away in the deep recesses of our minds. To help people learn how to do away with it for good, she has written the critically acclaimed book, Clean Out Your Life Closet. Her self-help program is broken down into four parts, including how to get clear about what you want, how to adapt to your circumstances and make them work for you, how to simplify your life, and how to make friends with stress. The book also encourages readers to write their own intentions for change based on their history, their life experiences, and their personal goals. Corby, who also has beat cancer three times, was gracious enough to stop by Luann's Land Podcast to talk about Clean Out Your Life Closet and also offer further insights on what people can do to live an abundant, stress-free life that holds all the joy their hearts can hold. Hello, Corby. How are you on this beautiful day? Delighted to be here. I'm so glad you asked me. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about having you on the show. And man, I love the title of your book, Clean Out Your Life Closet. I mean, <laughs> all of us could do a little of that, don't you think? Yes, uh, that's, you know, that's Marie Kondo. She is the big clean up your closet person. But a friend of mine called me the Marie Kondo of the heart and soul, which I just looked at her and, and I said, you mean about your life closet? She said, yes. Mm-hmm. And boom, there was the title of the book. Wow. And there's a lot of things that you delve into to help people really be able to make really positive and lasting changes in their lives. And I wanted to sort of go through some of that stuff with you so that we could break it down a little bit in order that the people that are listening really understand what the book is about. So could you kind of take us through it a little bit? When I started writing the book, I had a list of 36 things that were possible to talk about. And I put it out to my readers and my fans and my clients. And the four things that everybody said were their bugaboos were I get clear in life, how to simplify, how to go with the flow, how to adapt, and how to deal with the stress that is part and parcel of this 21st century life. So I took the idea of cleaning out your life closet from all four perspectives. And one of them is clarity, and then there's adaptability, simplicity, and stress? Making friends with stress. Oh, making friends with stress. Okay. Different than just handling it. Yes. Stress helps us in some ways if we know how to look at it correctly. With that, I mean, I always hear from a lot of these self-help teachers that one of the first steps to achieving any goal is to become clear. Absolutely. And clarity is the first part of the book. When we get clear, it's like focusing a telescope. If you just look at the night sky, well, it's all very cool and you got some smudgy stars and maybe you can see the moon. But if you know you want to find out what Mars looks like, you get a telescope. You aim it, you clean the lens, you focus it, You learn to use it well, and boom, there's the red planet in all of its dusky glory. That's why getting clear 
seeing your life in front of you like, like that sky and saying, I want to get clear on relationships or my purpose or spirit. Then you know how to work with it. And those three things, purpose, relationships, and spirit, are to me the three-legged stool that holds up your life. If any one of those is wobbly, you might fall on your butt. So when you're talking about getting clear, do you do it through meditation, through affirmations? or There's a ton of stuff. It's not just do this and you will get clear. That's one of the things that I stress in the book. I give you several things to look at, but please only use what works for you. I haven't lived your life. I don't know where your specific problems are. Frankly, that's why a lot of people have shelves and shelves of self-help books that they read one chapter and put it away because the author says, do everything I tell you and it all gets better. And that's never true. So let's look at how to get clarity, how to aim your telescope. Um, Yes, meditation is important. It will quiet the squirrels in the attic mindfulness is important. We try to multitask, but when you do, you don't really get fulfillment out of anything you're doing. You're only giving it, you know, half of your good effort. You're not really doing it. You are performing it, which is real different. So actually the first thing you need to do is decide to use that telescope. There's a wonderful saying by Ralph Bloom, Even more than doers, we are deciders. And once the decision is clear, the doing becomes effortless. So decide you're going to get clear. Cleaning the lens is putting aside the daily tasks, learning the difference between urgent and important, focusing on what you truly want. Um, Simple with me, there are so many things in my business I love doing. But right now I am focusing on creating a YouTube channel. So I have to be willing to put aside doing the shows out of town, maybe cut my schedule for readings a little bit and putting other non-work projects aside. Adjusting the lens. These are simple things. Cultivate simple, good habits. Keep your surroundings clean and comfortable. Get dressed every day. If you're a um, home office person like me, it can be very tempting to work in your schleppies. But if you do, your mind is schleppy too. So at least put on decent clothes, comb your hair. Turn off the techno tempters. Twitter, Facebook, silence your phone because you will find it difficult to keep coming back to that one brilliant thought if everything around you says, me, me, me. You set your schedule and you keep your lists. You learn from other people with focused telescopes. How we surround ourselves is what we get. If you surround yourself with high-maintenance friends who take and don't give, if you surround yourself with what I call the people who live in Neverland, no, you can't do it, you're not good enough, it'll never happen, that doesn't help you. You want to find your tribe. The people who believe in you, I call that family of choice. And you really want to avoid the doom and gloom in the world. Look, the world isn't exactly a bed of roses at the moment. But instead of getting massively upset about where it is, I decide what I can do, and I do that. 
And I resist the temptation to go to what I call the screed channels, whether it's Fox or MSNBC or anything in between, to keep feeding me the fears or the anger or the unfair. Because that's them in their life. That doesn't help me get where I want to go. So I keep the focus sharp. It's, if you think about a ballerina, when she does those marvelous pirouettes, she holds her gaze on a spot on the wall and she holds it until she has to snap her neck around to get it again. And she does the pirouette and she always holds her balance. If she just lets her head wobble around and she keeps finding a different focus, she falls, collapses, there's no beauty and she loses the dance. So think like a ballerina, catch your spot, keep clear on what you want, keep your focus there. And there's a lot of talk these days about focus and how important it is to get to that point. And I think, like you're saying, we have more distractions than ever in the world today. It's just amazing between the internet and the TV and the cell phones. I mean, there's just distractions everywhere. And I think this is a big part of the problem as to why people are so miserable because they have not been able to just focus on the things that matter the most, that mean the most in their lives. Partly that, partly also, we have been taught to think that we're not good enough for our own answers. We're supposed to look to the self-help guru, the fitness guru, the talk show host. Anybody else will know better than we do what we need. Too many of my friends, when they have a great idea, I'd better Google it to see if I'm right. No, take the idea and run with it. What did people do in 1962 without Google? They just did it. And frankly, people were probably a lot happier then too. Please learn to trust yourself, guys. That is the biggest key to clarity. Know who you are. Because if you don't, you will always be looking over your shoulder or looking around you to see if somebody else can tell you who you are. And then that gives you something to live up to, a bunch of shoulds. And that isn't your truth. That isn't what you want. Well, yeah, and I've always said to people, follow your authentic path, because if you do anything else other than that, you're going to be so unhappy and feel so lost in your life. But when you are on the path that you're supposed to be on, things just seem to happen like magic for you. Everything's always flowing and, (laughs) you know, there's kind of a happy ending, so to speak. Getting out of your own way, yes. I think so many people have trouble with getting out of their own way because there's a sense of wanting to control every single thing and then they have to analyze every single thing. And there's such a lack of trust for a lot of people in the fact that this journey has already been created for them and all they have to really do is show up and walk through it with complete and total faith and trust. Mm Mm-hmm. And I want to give people two magic phrases. When you're walking where you want to go and someone starts to say, well, you shouldn't do it this way, or I don't think it's going to work, or you're not good enough, blah, blah, blah. Don't waste your time trying to argue them into your point of view or get them off you. Just look at them and say, thank you for sharing. You may think that if you wish. And you walk. Because what you've done is you've at least looked at them and acknowledged them, but you're not giving them another hook into you. Just you may think that if you wish. 
The other thing, please, my darlings, learn to say no and mean it. No is a fabulous idea. Because when we have people who are our time wasters and who want to pull us away from clarity, if we can strongly say, no, Jan, I'm really sorry. I don't have the time to do this right now. And stick to that no. People will learn to respect it and you. Well, and it's about honoring yourself and your own time, I think, too. Yes, absolutely. Because there's always going to be people out there trying to drain your energy. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. you have a choice whether you can allow them to do it or not. So, But I, I have a friend who she's constantly rushing to the rescue of family members and people at her church and this and that and the other thing. And then she's always complaining about, you know, how tired she is and how much it's weighing on her. And, and I, and I think to myself, you know, there's a part of her that wants to be the victim here. Yes. That's what she's worth. You know, there are three questions that I love posing to people. And I learned this at the option Institute in Massachusetts. Wonderful. Uh, self-learning center. What are you X about? X is unhappy or excited or depressed. Why are you X about that? What do you think would happen if you weren't X about that? So I look at your friend and say, what do you think would happen if you stopped running to everybody's rescue? That might stop her in her tracks so that she could look at the why. When we understand we do everything because it's part of our belief system, I believe that If I don't help them, I'm not worth anything. They'll collapse and I'll feel guilty. I won't look good. Once you find out that, then you can unplug that. That, And again, that's where self-understanding is. Nobody can tell you why you feel that way. But when you can go inside and say, I'm doing this because, what do I think would happen if I stopped? Well, it looks like I'd be happier. Do you want to stop? The answer is yes. It's like pulling a thread on a sweater. Once you start tugging, you can unravel the whole problem. Right, exactly. And I mean, in my friend's case, and a lot of people's cases that are like that, where they're always feeling like their self-worth is tied up in doing things for others and, and letting people just walk all over or whatever the case may be. You know, it's like, well, you're not honoring the life that you've been given and the path that you're on because you certainly weren't put on this earth to be somebody's doormat. That leads us into the simplifying part of life. Um, Part of your simplification progress is deciding what things you want. Think of life as a tiny house. When you have 400 square feet, actually we live in a tiny house. Ours is about 800. You don't get every book on the shelf. You don't get five televisions. You don't need five computers you see what you use every day what you love and that's what you keep so the other thing that i would suggest in terms of simplifying relationships is who do you get the most from and this is not you're a taker this is someone who understands 50 50 or even 60 60 in relationships who takes too much and doesn't give back That would be like that fifth telephone you don't need. Get rid of it. Only keep in your life those things which benefit you and you feel you can give the most benefit to. They're the ones that keep you glowing and help you stay 
focused on what you want because they're wanting for you what they want for themselves, which is happiness and clarity and peace and purpose. Yeah, I have a friend and she says she got to a point one day where she said, I am not going to hang around people who are unhealthy emotionally. Mm-hmm. And she just made that, it was like she was clear, like we're talking about, and that was it. From now on, she was going to draw in healthy people. And I think that's sometimes just what it takes to make that decision. Yes. And I love her health analogy. If you didn't want to catch the flu, would you hang out with people who were sneezing and coughing all the time? No. And it, it works too. I find in my own life when I make something clear in myself and then I set my intention on it, suddenly things come into my life that are just attracting that intention in. Mm-hmm. And it sounds simple and it is simple, but a lot of our unconscious beliefs kind of prevent us from really getting clarity at times. So I think one thing good about your book, it's just they're cleaning out their life closet, but they're also just cleaning out the clutter in their head. Yes. That's one of the reasons why at the end of each chapter, I put open-ended questions because you need to find out what I wrote about, how it works in your life. I can't do that for you. Uh, For instance, there's a chapter that I wrote called Why Perfect Isn't What You Think It Is. And instead of saying, do this, 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 I ask questions like, has perfect been a friend or foe in your life? Why? When did the search for perfection stop you from doing something important? How so? Think of a challenging situation and find three perfect things about it. How do your feelings about the situation change? Now, those are not things that I can answer for you, but they are an opportunity for you to open up your own treasure house, your own life experience, and pull from that things that will help you learn what perfection is, how to get both more of it and less of it in your life. And you're more willing to accept those lessons and ideas and work with them when it's based on your life lexicon instead of just what this stranger is telling you to do. I think that's just such a great step-by-step plan for people to follow. And it it seems like it's not going to take so much effort that they're going to quit. No, um, that's one of the things that I I stress. Uh, There's a chapter on uh, when perfection destroys good. And that's based on my own parents and my stepmother. And when my parents got married in the 1940s, unfortunately, um, my grandmother was still alive. My grandmother was the my way or the highway type. And so from the time my father brought my mother home, my grandmother got in the way of their marriage and really ruined it. When my mother died and my father married my stepmother, my stepmother had been brought up with the idea that, well, if it isn't perfect, see what you can do to make it work. And so her marriage with my father was night and day to what my mother's had been. And my father had 17 joyful years with this woman who understood that when it ain't perfect, punt. And frankly, Shirley was the kind of stepmother we all dream about having. She was magnificent and I loved her to bits. Yeah, it's amazing how sometimes these, quote, angels show up in our lives. Oh, she was one. Yeah, just somebody there that uh, is such a guiding light for us. Yes, yes. And Shirley made room for my brother and myself 
Um, about a year after the marriage, my father looks at me and smiles sheepishly and says, do you mind that I feel like I have five kids now instead of two? And I grinned and I said, dad, you have more than enough love to go around. And the same was with Shirley. She just welcomed us like we were her own. Think of how clear that was. I married your father. You are therefore my daughter. No argument, no psychological playing. Shirley's clarity was family is important. You're a part of Jerry Dorkin. You are now part of mine. And so the changeover, because she was very different from my mother, was seamless because she was clear on what was important. Important was family. Not what do these people think of me? Not are the kids going to be mad that I'm marrying dad? Just you're my family. That's so beautiful. And, and you don't hear about that a lot when a stepmother comes into the picture. So I'm just happy to hear that you had that awesome, awesome experience with Shirley. And I'm sure it went a long way in shaping your life. It did. Um, the feeling of profound acceptance. I mean, everyone else in my family, mom, dad, and my brother, they're all in medicine, doctors and nurses. Me, I was an actress. It's not what they do. But Shirley was just, you're working with people. You're doing good. You're obviously happy. Your husband thinks you're wonderful. Why would I judge? She sounds like she was an extremely wise and an old soul, so to speak. Yes, and she taught me how to pass that on to my clients. That's part of the um, adaptability, if you will, the going with a flow thing. Right. She also taught me to make friends with stress. Um, there's good stress and there's bad stress. Good stress is when we're getting ready to start a 5K, when we're about to go on stage, when you know we send our book out to the publisher, excitement, great stuff. Bad stress is always saying yes when you want to say no, overfilling your plate, worrying about things that you can't do anything about. So she taught me the difference between those two. She also taught me to look at stress as a shot across the bow and stress as um, mission creep. Right, shot across the bow is when you do something really, really dumb that upsets the apple cart. But instead of beating yourself up about it, you notice what it was, you say, Great, I've got the lesson, and you go on. The example I use in my book is when I know I shouldn't eat sugar, I was working and I didn't take time for lunch, I downed a couple of raspberry bars because I was working at a cafe. Heart started hammering, blood pressure shot up. I only needed that once to remind myself to stay away from sugar. Mission creep is when you're doing something and someone says, that's great, would you make one for me? And their friend says, we need some for our charity. And then somebody else says, but if you're going to do it, I want you to do it this way and this way and this way. So you've taken something that you love and now you put so many other people's expectations on it because you didn't know how to say no, that once that stuff's finished, you've lost all joy in what you do and you won't go back to it. So stress is mission creep. Look at what is creeping up and put the lid on it. Say no, push it aside. That's really good advice. And I just love the four steps. I think they're simple, they're easy to grasp. And obviously if people start putting these into practice, they're going to make changes in their lives rather quickly. So I, I encourage everyone who's listening to go and get Corby's book <laughs> because there's something in all of our closets that we need to clean out. Now, Corby, we are 
running out of time, which I can't believe how fast this went, but I always like to leave our listeners with some advice. And I wanted to ask you, what is one of the key things that gives you strength on your journey every single day? I remind myself that I get to get up in the morning. I don't have to get up in the morning. I remind myself that living the examined life, which is where when something happens, you look at it, you say, fine. And then for me, it's how can I give to others with it? How can I teach others? Keeps me on my purpose. And the third thing I'm going to say is intention is everything. Intention is like the shaft of an arrow. The arrowhead, that's your focus. The feathers in the back, that's divine guidance. But you can have all the focus and divine guidance in the world. But if you don't have that intention, that power for what you want to do in the world, you go nowhere. So put that arrow together. Right at the center is what do you intend to do for yourself, your loved ones, and the world? Very, very wise words of wisdom. I just want to thank you for being on the show today. I love your book. And I'm sure all the listeners are going to be very curious about what you have to say and sort of delve into this topic even more to help themselves. That's great. Um, What I'll tell them is I don't care how you like your books, you can do it. The book is audio, the book is on Kindle, and the book is paperback. So no excuses out there, guys. Yes. And do you have a website where they can go? Sure do. Uh, My website about me is corbymitlie.com. If you want to go straight to the book, go to cleanoutyourlifecloset.com. Well, again, thanks a million for being on the show, and I wish you all the best, and hopefully we'll catch up again in the future. I would love that. It's been a real pleasure. Listen to Luann's Land Podcast on Tuesdays from noon to 12.30 p.m. Pacific at luannslandpodcast.com or luannslandpodcast.buzzsprout.com. Follow the show on Facebook at Luann's Land Podcast and on Twitter at Luann's Land. All episodes will be archived for free on-demand streaming.